Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Good morning, everybody. So glad you're here. We love you. God bless you. Happy New Year. Thanks for making it today. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, too, by the way. Aren't you thankful that you get a, a day off tomorrow? And, and we, should, we ought to be more thankful for the life and legacy of, of Dr. King. But uh, we're, we're glad that you're here. We've had an amazing uh, week this past week, as Brett mentioned, with our first week of, of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, really what started it was last weekend with Pastor Andrew Kabbalah. I think at our four services last weekend, there was a combined total of 171 decisions for Christ, which was awesome. So it was amazing, amazing. And uh, this is my first time preaching in 2024. So I know y'all need a joke. I'm starting to run out of jokes. I'm starting to recycle them now, people. So if you stick around long enough, you might hear them again. So you guys can help me out by sending me jokes too, by the way. Just make sure that they're appropriate because all my jokes are totally appropriate all the time. Every day a lady saw this old man sitting on his porch, rocking in his rocking chair. He seemed to be so happy. And, and uh, one day she finally got up the nerve and went over to him and, and talked to him and said, sir, I can't help, but every day you're, you're, you're out here, you're always smiling, you're always in a good mood. And please, would you tell me what's your secret to such a long and, and happy life? And he kind of chuckled, laughed to himself. He said, that's easy. I smoke three packs of cigarettes a day. I eat nothing but junk food and I never exercise. She was just blown away. She says, wow, that's amazing. How old are you? He said, 26. <laughs> oh gosh. Is that my neighbor Kelly right there? Is that Kelly? Good to see you, Kelly. You told me you're coming and you were good to your word. God bless you, man. Sorry to embarrass you, but welcome to church. Open your Bible with me to Matthew chapter six, everybody. Matthew chapter six. Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, which is the most important sermon that has ever been preached in the history of the world. And that's not an exaggeration because Jesus is teaching us some very foundational, crucial things about what it means to be a follower uh, in the kingdom of God. How, how should we function? How do we live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, as his sons and daughters? And so we're going to read actually a pretty long passage. And Jesus talks about how to pray. He talks about how to fast. He talks about how to deal with and relate to our money. And one of the things that he points out is that uh, the, the point of prayer, the point of fasting, the, the point of, of our finances is, is giving honor to God. It's not to impress other people. Um, the, the point is to seek God. That's what we're going to see. So stand your feet, if you would, with me as we open up the Bible. I like to, to stand when we read our primary text because there's nothing more powerful than the Word of God. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm going to try that one more time. There's nothing more powerful than the Word of God. Amen. amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the power and the truth of your Word. Lord, let it pierce our hearts today. Let it take root and bear fruit in our lives this year in 2024 in an in a incredible, supernatural way. In Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. amen. Matthew chapter six, verse five, and when you pray, notice not if you pray, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, 
Go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Let's read verses 9 to 13 out loud together. It's the Lord's Prayer, New King James Version. Some of y'all probably have it memorized, but it'll be on the screen. Ready, go. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, oh, I hate that phrase. I wish Jesus would have said, if you fast. Oh, he said, when you fast. Do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to be men, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Do not, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now we're gonna skip the rest of it. Uh, Jesus talks about money, he talks about wealth, he talks about possessions, and then we get to verse 33, which is the whole point. I wanted to give you context for verse 33 because it's our, it's our key verse for today. Let's read it out loud together on the screen. Ready, go. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Before you sit down, look at the person next to you and say, it's amazing, but you look better in 2024 than you did in 2023. Trying to earn some husband points, guys. <laughs> Title of my message today is simply Seek First. Seek First. A new year is a fresh start. It's a, it's a natural, normal time to think about your life, where you want to make changes. You might make resolutions. You might set goals. You know, it might be paying off debt or, or working out regularly, getting into the gym, losing weight, maybe improving your golf game. <laughs> Maybe it's to stop smoking three packs of cigarettes a day and eating nothing but junk food and never exercising. Maybe it's becoming a Rams fan instead of a Raiders fan. That's all good changes, by the way, everybody. But what will make the biggest difference in your life in 2024, what will help you through whatever challenge that you might face this year, and I hate to remind all of us, but we all face challenges in life, what will increase your joy and your peace? What will fill your heart with love and your year with purpose? What will impact your marriage and your family and your children and your health and your finances and your career and your walk with God more than anything else is if you make a decision to seek God first. If you seek God first. Uh, last, last night at their Saturday night service, which was our last Saturday night service, uh, but I wore a, a purple 
sweater. And so I went into my drawer and I thought, I wonder if I have a purple pair of socks. Sure enough, I do have a purple pair of socks. Look at, look at these bad boys. Yeah, I'm not going to pull them up any higher, y'all, because it's, it's very white and you'll be blinded. You'll think you've seen an angel. And my, my mom bought me these socks because when you're 44 years old, all you get is socks for Christmas, all right? Uh, but it says Matthew 6, God first. And I knew it was confirmation that I need to preach this word. <laughs> That's a joke. Look at the person next to you and say, hey, I don't know about you, but I want to seek God first this year. Come on, tell somebody. Poke somebody, elbow somebody. I don't know about you, but I want to seek God first this year. I want to, I want to teach you right now quickly. I want to give you three seek first principles, and then I want to give you four seek first practices. So let me give you the principles first. Number one, God must be first. God must be first. For some people, God is a part of their life. He is a piece of their life. If you think about your life, it's like a pie, and God is a piece of it. When I think about my life, I like to think about Dutch apple pie, because that's the best kind. Go ahead and put this, this on the screen. So you're, you're married or you're single, you have family, your kids, your work, your career, your finances, your hobbies, your entertainment, your relationships, and your friendships, and then you also have the God piece as well. Listen, if you, you know, so, so you visit God, you visit God once a week on Sundays for an hour and a half, and then you live Monday through Saturday and maybe the rest of Sunday with God, not in your mind, not in your life at all. If you live like this, listen, God still loves you. And if you've given your life to Christ, you're saved, you're going to heaven, but you are missing out on God's best for your life. You are missing out on all the things that God really wants to do in and through you. You are not getting the best of God. Because the best way to live, the biblical way to live, is that God is the center of your life. He's the focal point. He is the foundation. Really, the more biblical definition is God is your life. Colossians 3 says, for you died to this life. That's talking about before you came to Christ. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Christ, who is your life. Really, your life should not be a pie. Your life should be more like a wheel. Where God is at the center, put that graphic up if you would. God is at the center and everything else flows from that. All of your conversations, all of your decisions, all the choices you make about your future, all of your words, all of your thoughts and all of your actions, they flow from your relationship with the Lord. Let me say it like this. God does not just want to fit into your life. God must be, he needs to be first in your life. He needs to be the number one priority at the top of the list. He needs to be the center. This is why on God's top 10 list, you know, God has a top 10 list in the Bible. They're called the 10 commandments. Anybody remember David Letterman in his top 10 list, by the way? God has a top 10 list. And at the very top of the list in Exodus 20, verses two to three, God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Do you notice in this verse, by the way, that God puts you first? I am the Lord your God, and I delivered you out of slavery. Men and women, we have been delivered out of the slavery of sin. His name is Jesus. God gave us his first and his best. He gave you his first and his best. He deserves our first and our best. Three people clapped. All right, I'll keep preaching. 
He doesn't mind you, you loving other people or other things. You know, you can have a lot of interests and loves in your life. Obviously, family, your spouse, your kids, you ought to love sports, shopping, tacos. You can even love cats if you choose to love cats for some weird reason. I don't know. But he just doesn't want you to love them more than you love him. He says, I'm first, I have first place, and nobody else can usurp my authority. Number two, we seek God first by giving him the first of everything, of everything, not just our finances, the first of everything. We're gonna unpack this in a moment, but let me ask you a question. What would happen in your life this year if you really, truly put God first in every part of your life? If you made a decision to seek first the kingdom of God, in every aspect of your life. I'm gonna tell you how to do that in a minute. Number three, the first has the power to bless the rest. This is a biblical principle that you need to understand. Proverbs 3, 9, honor God with everything you own. What is, do we have that verse? Can you put it up there? What does the next part say? Honor God with everything you own. Then what does it say? Give, come on everybody. Give him the first and the best. Give him the first and the best. Your barns will burst, your wine vats will brim over. God's blessing in our lives most of the time is conditional upon our obedience. In other words, you do your part, you obey, and then God blesses you. In other words, you gotta live God's way if you want God's blessing. Jesus says, if you seek first the kingdom of God, then all of these things will be added unto you. So now let me give you seek four seek first practices. I wanna teach you how to seek first the kingdom. If, you're, if you say, yeah, you know, my heart is to seek God first, to put him first, then your actions will follow. Your actions will follow. And let me give you four of them. Number one, I don't know how many amens I'm gonna get, but that's all right. <clears throat> because I'm gonna get all up in your business right now, okay? Number one, seek God first in my finances by giving tithes and offerings. Seek God first in my finances by giving tithes and offerings. The biblical definition of tithe, the word tithe means 10th, and the biblical definition is not just 10%, it's the first 10%. It's the first. An offering is actually anything outside of your tithe. Really what it should be is anything above and beyond your tithe. By the way, have you noticed that anywhere you go now, not just sit down restaurants, but like fast food restaurants, uh, coffee places, crumble cookies, that when you go to pay for your, whatever your purchase, that they turn the thing around and they say, we wanna ask you a question. And the question is, would you like to leave a tip? Why, when I go to crumble cookies, Hope, who works at crumble cookies, answer this riddle for me, riddle me this. I'm paying $6 already for a cookie. I'm buying four, $5, okay, excuse me. I'm paying, I'm paying $20 for four cookies. Why do I need to tip the employee who literally has turned around, hasn't even moved, grabbed a cookie and put it in my cookie box? That makes no sense to me. But occasionally, occasionally, I might, I might feel moved with generosity for some reason or like their smile or whatever, and I might give them a little tip. Listen, some of y'all tip God, but you're not tithing to God. When you're occasionally, when you're moved, you'll throw a little something in the offering bucket that we just, we just, we just passed. If, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna, I'd say this in love, and we're not receiving an offering. We've received enough of those around here the last few weeks, everybody. So listen, if you're not, let me just say it like this clear. If you're not giving 10%, you might be tipping, but you're not tithing. Give God the first and the best. 
What would, what would happen this year in your finances in the next 12 months if you began to tithe? This is what the Bible says. I'll tell you what, what it would say. Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. By the way, that's a place where you worship. That's a local church. It's not a charitable organization or even missions. You, you ought to give to those things if you want, but you ought to tithe to the local church. And try me now in this. Other translations say, God says, test me now in this. It's the only place in the Bible he says that. Says the Lord of hosts, here's the benefit and the blessing. See if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. In other words, your washing machines are gonna work longer than they're supposed to. Nor shall the vine fail to bear, bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed. That word means, means happy. It means prosperous. It means successful. For you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Some of you want to say, Pastor, tithing's an Old Testament principle. That's legalism. That's under the law. You, gr you, grumpy, you grumpy Christian. Only, the only people who say that, by the way, are people who don't tithe because they're trying to use an excuse to not give. Listen, Jesus affirms the tithe in Matthew 23, 23. He says, you ought to tithe. That's what Jesus says. And by the way, in the New Testament, if you wanna be New Testament, go to the book of Acts. Guess how much they gave in the early church? It wasn't 10%, y'all. It was 100%. So you can, you can give according to Acts and give 100%, or you could give according to Malachi according to 10%. You can pick and choose, all right? You can choose which one you want. Tithing's really not, it's really not about money, it's about your heart. That's why Jesus says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Tithing's really about trusting the Lord. My, my mentor, Frank Damasio, they call him Frank because he's Frank. He says, if you can't trust God with your money, you probably can't trust him with anything. <laughs> that's what he says. De Deuteronomy 14, 23, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. Having said all of that, Listen, I'm just trying to help you, but I wanna let you know, we are an incredibly generous church. We are an incredibly generous church, and thank you, church, for your incredible generosity the last five or six weeks. We have received a lot of offerings. Our year-end offering, by the way, we gave collectively over $157,000. Thank you so much. We were able to buy all of our new chairs. Don't you enjoy these new comfortable chairs? Have you noticed they're a little bit higher? I was like, man, my feet barely touch the ground. I feel like a little kid, you know? Uh, we bought. And what we're gonna do this week is uh, I'm gonna contact Pastor Matthew Barnett because I told you we're gonna give a tithe of all of that to the Dream Center. So we're gonna give over $16,000 to the Dream Center. And so praise the Lord for that. Number two, seek God first in my year by praying and fasting. If you didn't amen me about tithing, you're not going to amen me about fasting. For, for many years in our, in our church now, we've started every year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. In fact, churches all around the world uh, do this. Um, and the reason we do it is very simple. It's to seek God first. It's to seek God first. 21 days comes from Daniel chapter 10, by the way, fast that Daniel was doing to declare individually and in our families and as a church family that we desperately need God this year. We need to seek God first. And so we set aside 21 days of prayer and fasting. Some people don't pray until they, they need God to show up. You know, they act, they, they make all, they're, they're smart, they trust in themselves, they try to figure everything out. And then when none of that, all, that works, then they cry out to God. Men and women, prayer should be our first response, not a last resort. 
It should be the seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus says, when you pray, even if you get a headache, I believe in, in medication. Take, take, a, take an Advil if you need to. But maybe, maybe before you even take an Advil, maybe you just ought to pray. Just give God, you know, God, would you touch me and take away this headache before you just run to something else? Seek first. There are many, many different corporate prayer opportunities happening, happening in our church during these 21 days. And we have 14 days left. Literally every single day, there's a corporate prayer gathering. And if some of you, you know, you feel compelled to pray, you want to learn how to pray, you ought to show up. We have 6 a.m. prayer, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday, 6 a.m. early morning prayer. This Wednesday night at seven o'clock is our worship and prayer night. You ought to come out to that. You ought to join us in prayer. You ought to be, you ought to pray on your own. And we combine prayer with fasting because prayer and fasting is a powerful combination that brings spiritual breakthrough in your life. I know there's talk in our culture now, fasting, intermittent fasting and the health benefits. And certainly there are health benefits to fasting. It's always interesting too, by the way, when science proves what the Bible wrote thousands and thousands of years ago. This is one of the reasons God told us to fast because he knew the health benefits, obviously. But fasting is not, we don't do it for health benefits. Uh, we don't do it for dieting. It's not dieting. Fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Biblical fasting is what I just told you. It is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Let me say it differently. Fasting is saying no to your flesh and saying yes to God. Pastor Andrew last week in his message, basically his, his whole message was about how hungry are you for God this year? Fasting is hungering for God more than anything else. And if you fast from food, then uh, God gets your attention because you might be pretty amped up and I'm gonna, I'm gonna fast, I'm gonna do it. And you, you fast all day, you get to about three o'clock in the afternoon and then the hunger pangs start kicking in, right? And you are ready to eat things that you have never eaten in your life. You go into 7-Eleven, you're tempted to eat one of those jalapeno hot dogs. It's been rotating on that thing since pre-COVID. And you're about to buy four of those and devour them like Slimer from Ghostbusters, all right? Listen, but what's supposed to happen is that when you feel that pain, you turn your attention and your focus to the Lord and you seek him in prayer. And you say like Jesus says, I don't live on bread alone. <laughs> Definitely don't live on 7-Eleven hot dogs, thank you God. But I live on every word that proceeds from your mouth. And you begin to pray and you begin to seek God and you seek him first. Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, fasted for 40 days. The Bible says he ate nothing. He ate nothing. And when it, when it had ended, he was hungry, which is one of the biggest understatements probably in all of scripture. You better believe he was hungry. And the reason he did this is, is what it says when those 40 days were over. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. And then Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee. Jesus was fully God and he was fully man, but he understood that in his own humanity, in his own flesh and in his own strength, that was not enough to do what the father had called him to do. He needed to be filled. He needed to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so he went into a time of prayer and fasting and he came out of it, men and women. If I preach a message on this, I'd call it the fast and the furious because Jesus, the next three and a half years of his life, Jesus accomplished more in three and a half years than any in all of history combined has ever accomplished. But it begun, it, be, it began, it started with prayer and fasting. And the same is true in your life and the same is true in my life. Your strength in 2024 is not enough. It is not by your own might. It is not by your own power. It is not by your own strength, but it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's why we fast. That's why we seek God. 
I don't know a lot of people who like fasting. If you like fasting, honestly, I think you're weird. I just think there's something wrong with you. I hate fasting. And every year, and in my, you know, I've been leading the church now. My dad's been gone almost three years in February, but we still do prayer and fasting. I hate fasting. I'll be honest with you. I go into 21 days of prayer and fasting with a pretty crummy attitude. And I'm in 21 days of prayer and fasting with a pretty crummy attitude, and I come out of it with a pretty crummy attitude. That's the truth, all right? And, uh, but this year, I, I don't know why. I mean, I, I do know why. God's stirring something in my heart. And I think, Lord, it is not just, I'm not just gonna discipline my flesh this year in my fast. God, I am desperate for you. I am, I am desperate for you more than I've ever been desperate in my life. And there are things I'm praying for. God, there are some things in my life, in my heart that you gotta change. You know what's interesting? Even a week into this, I have, I've noticed, I've noticed the Holy Spirit changing me on some stuff. It's amazing. Some of my reactions are, are different than what they used to do. Praise God for that. It's, you know, it's because I'm seeking him first. I need to hear from you, God. I need to hear your voice clearly. I need vision, direction for the church. Listen, fasting is not for the uber Christian. Fasting is for every Christian. It's for every Christian. You might think, Pastor, I just got saved last week with Andrew Kabbalah. Welcome to the family. Start fasting with us, all right? And, and good news, if you haven't started the fast, a week's gone already. Don't even worry about it. You got a 14-day fast, all right? You got it easier than the rest of us who have been fasting. Jump in. Here's four ways you can fast if you want to jump in and, and fast with us. Number one is a full and complete fast, which is water or liquid only. That is a very intense fast. If you're gonna do that, you ought to get some medical supervision or input if you're gonna do that. Number two is a partial fast, which is a restriction in diet, which might be fasting a meal a day. And you know, if you skip breakfast regularly, that's probably, you know, you don't do that. But if maybe you skip lunch and instead of, of taking time to eat, you spend whatever, 30 minutes, an hour, your lunch break, praying, seeking God, reading the Bible. That's a, that's a partial fast. A third type of fast is a modified or selective fast. You don't eat certain foods. The most popular biblical fast is called the Daniel fast, which is in Daniel chapter 10. You fast from sugar, sweets, meat, bread. Uh, you, you might fast from something else. You might choose to fast from coffee. But by the way, if you're gonna do something like that, it's supposed to be a food or a drink that you actually enjoy. It's supposed to be a sacrifice. I have been fasting from mayonnaise my entire life. All right, I don't think God is impressed by that. I hate mayonnaise. Pastor Junior, if he fasted from mayonnaise, that's a big sacrifice, all right? So don't say, hey, Pastor, I'm fasting, fasting from Brussels sprouts, peas, and kale. You don't eat that anyways. That's not a fast, all right? So maybe for health reasons, you can't fast from, from food. I, you know, I, I understand, no, no problem. But number four, all of us can do this. And I think even if you're fasting from food, all of us should do this fourth one, which is a strategic or a soul fast. You give up certain activities, entertainment, media, social media, and say it differently, it's like a soul detox. Because if you're on a food fast, especially a liquid fast, that is a body detox, all right? After a couple of days, your soul begins to detox if you give up some of these things. Anything that might be polluting your soul or you're just spending too much time doing, take that time to seek the Lord. It might be news, it might be political talk radio, it might be streaming shows in the evening, it might, it's probably social media for most of us. So uh, it would do your soul some good for y'all to get off social media for two weeks. You'll be all right, okay? Get off of TikTok, get off of X, get off of Facebook, get off of MySpace or whatever social media platform you're still using and take that time, take that time to seek the Lord. Spend time with God. You probably spend more time on social media than you realize. Spend that time with the Lord. You think, pastor, I'm too busy. Then listen, if you're too busy for God, you're too busy. 
And you might say God is first in your life, but you're not seeking him first. All right, number three is this. Seek God first in my week by consistent church attendance and a true Sabbath. Bible says in Luke 4, 16, Jesus went into the synagogue as was his custom on the Sabbath day. If you go to church as, as often as you go to the dentist, that's not very consistent church attendance, okay? If you just go to church when you feel like it, you're not seeking first God in this area of your life. Listen, I know, I know y'all are here today, but attending church, that ought to be a priority, not an option in your family. And I hope that you don't just show up to your job when you feel like it. Some of y'all have tried that in the past, didn't work out very well. That's why you have no job now, all right? (laughs) You show up, and the times that you don't wanna go to church, that you don't feel like going to church, they're the times you need it the most. And so you make it part of your life. It is part of your habit. You put God first, you honor him. And then when you go to church on Sunday afterwards, go out and have a nice lunch if you're not fasting and go out and spend time with your family and go out and have a nice nap and watch the Rams defeat the Lions tonight on Sunday night football and, and rest and don't, don't work. Rest, relax, have a true Sabbath. For our church staff, by the way, uh, Monday is our Sabbath because Sunday is a long work day for us. So we take Mondays off. That's our Sabbath. So if you're gonna have an emergency in your life, please schedule it for Tuesday, not for Monday. <laughs> That's a joke. It's funnier to pastors than it is to you. Listen to this, Harvard. Harvard came out with a study about how to reduce the divorce rate. In America, you all, you all know, we all know, it's about one in two. This is a Harvard study that you can reduce the the divorce rate from one to 1,246 if you do three things. As a a couple, you attend church regularly, you discuss the Bible, and you pray together. That is amazing, that's Harvard. Harvard just proves what the Word of God says. In your marriage this year, everybody, attend church regularly, discuss the Word of God together, Pray together. Number four is this. Seek God first in my day by spending time with him in worship, the word, in prayer. David did this. Isaiah did this. Jesus did this. Mark 135, in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Uh, if you've been around the church this past year, you've, you've probably heard us talk about my aunt, Sally. My mom, Pastor Sherry's on the front row. Her, her older sister, Sally, two years older, my aunt. Uh, we've been praying for her. She's been battling cancer for over a year. On uh, the day after Christmas, December 26th, she graduated to heaven, and now she is healed, and she has a new body. Um, uh, but at her, at her funeral, it was such a beautiful, beautiful funeral, and several family members are uh, my uncle Jeff, her husband, one of my cousins, several friends talked about my aunt Sally's um, intimate relationship with the Lord. It was so beautiful. And uh, one of the things they said, I, I didn't know this, but I wasn't surprised by this at all, is that every single day, every single day, Aunt Sally, she was a school teacher for decades, but she would get up at 6 a.m., make a, make a cup of coffee, sit down at the table and spend time with Jesus. She would pray. She'd read the Bible, she'd read Proverbs, she'd do her Bible reading every single day. And, and my Aunt Sally, my mom is, is, is like this too, but my Aunt Sally is one, literally one of the most godly people I've ever met. You ever meet somebody, you're around somebody sometimes, and you're like, I feel like I'm, I'm hanging out with Jesus. 
That, that was my Aunt Sally, so loving, so kind, so generous. You know why she was like Jesus? Because she spent time with him every day. You become who you hang around. You hang out with Jesus every day at 6 a.m., you're, you're going you're gonna to become like him. And I had already been under some conviction even before this. It's one of the reasons why I said we're going to do 6 a.m. prayer because I thought I'm going to show up at the 6 a.m. prayer every single day because I spend time with God every day. I'll be, I'm being honest with you. Too often, it was like I was fitting him in here, there, and everywhere. And I felt, that John, that's wrong. That needs to change. I need to seek him first in the morning. I need, I need to put God first. I'm not a morning person. You can ask my mom. Ever since I was a little guy, I've always been a night person. In fact, when, some of my earliest memories, I remember watching Johnny Carson with my dad when I was three years old. That's why I obviously have an overdeveloped and amazing sense of humor is because Johnny, I was discipled by Johnny Carson when I was three, all right? <laughs> Listen, I'm not a morning person, but I'm a Jesus person. And when I want to get up and go do some fun with my buddies, I can get up for that. And I can make a commitment to my king to get up a little bit earlier every single day. You know, some, some people say, you need to spend an hour with God every morning. Listen, if you do that, God bless you. A lot of people can't do that. I'm going to give you in closing one thing that every single one of us can do. And I want to encourage you, spend the first 15 minutes of your day with Jesus. Spend your first 15. Doesn't need to be all day. Doesn't need to be hours and hours. It needs to be 15 minutes. Get up earlier if you need to. Go to bed earlier if you need to. The first 15, five minutes in worship. Just sing your favorite song to the Lord. Put on something. Put on a worship song. Tell the Lord how much you love him. Five minutes in the word. Five minutes reading the Bible. If you can easily read a chapter in Proverbs in five minutes. You can easily read one or two chapters in Psalms in five minutes. If you have more time, we encourage you to actually re use the Grow Journal, which is what we use. In fact, they're available in the back. You can pick one up on your way out. Normally, they're $100. Today, we're giving to you for free. All right. <laughs> But this is the tool that my dad actually created that we use to hear from God and then to write down what God speaks to us. And in the back of it, there's a New Testament reading plan, which is one chapter a day. There's an Old Testament reading plan, which is two or three or four chapters a day. I wanna encourage you, even if you're a brand new baby Christian, you've never read the Bible before, you could read the New Testament this year. You could read through the entire New Testament. One chapter a day is not too much. You think, I don't read well, I don't like reading. Then get a Bible app and let, read it, listen to it on audio Bible. We have no excuse, all right? But spend time with God in his word. And then number, the third part, spend five minutes in prayer. Spend five minutes in prayer. By the way, if you read through the whole Bible this year, let me know and I, we will buy you a really nice Bible. Uh, let me know, we, we do that every year. But spend five minutes in worship, five minutes in the word, five minutes in prayer. Give God the first 15. Guys, come out and start, start playing. What are you going to do to seek God first in your life this year? What do you need to do? What, what, are you, what changes do you need to make this year to draw closer to God and to seek first the kingdom of God? Albert Einstein said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Some of us, we need to do something different. We need to create a new habit in our life. We need to, we need to do something different to start seeking first the kingdom of God. Do you want God's best for your life? Do you want to know him more? Do you want to be closer to him? Do you want him to change you? Do you want his peace and his power in your life to get something you've never had, you got to do something you've never done. So if you want more of Jesus, you got to do something. You got to seek him. You got to pursue him. You got to go after him. What are you going to do in 2024? I, I read a little story. I'll close with this. It summarizes most of our lives, our, our experience. Chapter one, I went out for a walk and I fell into a deep, dark hole and it took me a long time to get out. 
Chapter two, I went out for a walk and I fell into the same deep, dark hole. And it took me a long time to get out. Chapter three, I went out for a walk and this time I saw the hole, but I got too close and I fell in and it took me a long time to get out. Chapter four, I went out for a walk and this time I saw the hole and I walked around it. Chapter five, do we have it? I just went down another street. Men and women, that's called wisdom. What, what do you need to do differently this year? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Close your eyes, lift your hands. I wanna pray for you. Father, we, we choose individually, collectively to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. We need you desperately, God. We cannot do it without you. Show us what we need to do. Lord, we don't need to live under condemnation, but we wanna live in, uh, in, in passion, seeking you, seeking your face, starting our day, starting our year, starting our week, starting our finances with you. Help us to do that. Give us the strength, give us the courage that we need to change. In Jesus' name, amen. Close your eyes, keep your eyes closed for one more moment. Maybe you're here today and, and God is not first in your life right now, but you want him to be. You need him to be. Men and women, that's a decision and a choice only you can make. Nobody can make that for you. Let me ask it a different way. Are you in relationship with God? You might know about God. Maybe you grew up in church. You might know about him, but that doesn't mean that you have a personal relationship with God. And, God, and Jesus came, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he so loved you. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. He gave heaven's best so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus lived for you. He died on the cross for you. He rose from the dead for you to forgive you of your sins, to bring you into relationship with God, to give you abundant and eternal life. But you have to make a choice and say, Jesus, I need you to be my savior. Forgive me of my sins. I want you to be my Lord. In other words, I wanna live my life for you. I need you. I want you to be first in my life. Maybe you've never made that decision before. Maybe, maybe you've You've prayed a prayer, but you've walked away from the Lord. You haven't been in church in a while, find yourself here today, or you just, you just know you're not right with God, but you wanna be right with him before you leave. I'm talking to you as well. So if that's you, if, if either for the first time you, you need to surrender your life to God or you need to come back to the Lord today, I wanna give you that opportunity. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day you're the person. If you make the choice, God will make the change in your life. On the count of three, if that's you, I want you to lift your hand and look at me. The rest of you can keep your eyes closed. I'm gonna see you and then I'm gonna lead you in a prayer of salvation. I won't embarrass you, but I want to see you and agree with you. If that's you, one, two, three. Lift your hand, hold it high, wave at me, look at me, wave at me and look at me. See a hand in the back, sir, I see you. Thank you so much. See a hand way in the back. Yep, thank you, thank you. Anybody else here? I see another hand over there. Thank you, I see another hand right there. Another hand, thank you. Praise the Lord. I see another hand right there. I'm forgetting to count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Both of you, praise God. I see you, sir. Nine, praise the Lord. Anybody else? If you think, if you think I missed you, just wave at me. I saw at least eight hands. That's, that's so good, so good. Thank you, Jesus. Another hand over there, praise the Lord. Did I get you? Awesome, I see you. You can open up your eyes, everybody. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not you might be, you will be saved. And 
my friend Andrew, he said it last week, it is an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing that a sincere, heartfelt prayer, it's not even long, like 30 seconds long, of turning your life to Jesus, it changes the rest of your life. It changes your eternity. It's called faith, by the way taking your first step with the Lord. I want to lead our friends in a prayer of salvation this morning. And would y'all repeat after me? Let's say it out loud, a phrase at a time. Let's say it strong this morning. God, thank you for loving me. I know that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of all my sins. I surrender my life to you. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Come into my life. Make me a new person. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Change me. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. And I declare that heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we celebrate that this morning, church? Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc, or call 714-255-0930.